Welcome to Under Two Capes. I'm Jared, and today we brought Wes back from Thinking Critical. Well, Wes, welcome back to Under Two Capes. Well, thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Love talking comic books. So today's topic, and it was one that I've been wondering ever since, like, Death of the Justice League was announced. It's like, has death, like, lost its meaning in comics? And what I mean by that, because when, immediately when they announced it, everyone was like, yeah, so... We know they're going to come back. So my question to you, Wes, is has death uh, been made meaningless in comics? And how would you like make it meaningful? Well, depending on how you look at it from a consumer perspective, you know, when you read Justice League 75, the death of the Justice League, they're not dead. Mm -hmm. But from the publisher standpoint, it's probably still effective because as far as I can tell, what I've been told from my friends that are retailers uh, they sold out. So mm-hmm. even though people know that the deaths really are meaningless and they're leading into an event, it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of enthusiasm for just putting on that they were going to kill, kill off the Justice League was effective in the fact that in, the, in that they made money. So I guess it's, it kind of depends on how you look at it. But, you know, it, it's just a, it's a gimmick. It's a marketing gimmick now. It, it's it doesn't really serve any story purposes. Mm-hmm. And it hasn't for a really long time. There's only a few characters that have died that really stayed dead. You know, mm-hmm. Gwen Stacy, kind of. Kind you of, know, uh, yeah. Marvel. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it was shoot. We even got Thunderbird back. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like they they Superman was the first one they died and then brought back later. Then you had like, the, then you had like also characters like Batman who died and came back in the most convoluted way of all time. Thanks, thank you, Grant Morrison. But it's it's kind of funny. We've had individual ju- Justice League m- members die before, but we've never had the entire team like get wiped out. So I guess th- that could kind of explain why it's like se- it's selling really well because of the collectors and such that are like, oh, it's the first time the Justice League gets team wiped. Yes, I have to have this. Well, it's, it's a speculator's market for the mm-hmm. most part. That's kind of what DC, specifically right now, which has been a really big change for DC as a publisher, is that they are catering to the speculator market. They used to only do an A and a B cover, really. And if it was a number one issue or a milestone, of course, they would have more cover offerings. But if you go through their solicitations now, everything has multiple covers now. And I'm sure they had some cool covers for Je- Death of the Justice League besides the one that just says Death of the Justice League, you know, because you wouldn't want to be subtle about these things. You've got to mm-hmm. let everyone know that it happens. But what is interesting about Justice League 75, if we want to talk about that one, is we do see, you know, they're going after Pariah and it essentially melt, melts the faces off of of Superman, Bat, Batman and Wonder Woman, the Trinity. Mm-hmm. Very much, you know, you're supposed to feel like you're reading Infinite or Crisis on Infinite Earth, yeah. when Barry Allen dies. You know, this is exactly what happens. But before that, before Pariah, I mean, he he didn't kill him. I mean, yeah. he sent him to another dimension or something. But That's before right, that, then. we did did see Green Arrow die. Oliver Queen dies. Yeah, that that, that was the biggest thing when I was re- when I was taking a look at. It, I'm like, wait, what? So if they wanted to make it meaningful, I guess you would just have to say. Oliver Queen is no more, and we're never going to have a Green Arrow back, or at least with Oliver Queen in, in the mantle, maybe. Yeah, well, but yeah, I, and I, I said this on a, a, a YouTube comment once, and I was like, yeah, I guarantee you, 
when they bring them back inevitably at the end of this event, it'll be like they weren't actually dead. We we thought they were. They were just teleported to like a holding cell so Pariah could do whatever he wanted You're to in do. Purgatory or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm like, there's no way, even if they're going to bring it back, that they're going to kill their most popular characters because we all know Marvel tried that and it didn't exactly work out for them. Nah, it's, yeah, Marvel killed off like uh, Tony Stark. Yeah, I know. Steve Rogers, they killed off Wolverine. They're all dead at the same time. This is really stupid. It's, uh, it's really think, stupid uh, because, <laughs> yeah, it's really stupid because it's like DC keeps trying to copy Marvel. And I understand you want to copy the industry leader, but they keep copying the things that didn't work well, like replacing all of your important heroes with D tier like replacements arbitrarily changing characteristics of the character. And I'm like, why are you copying this? They're trying to do a little bit different. I will give them a slight bit of uh, a credit here where, cause you know, Batman, the, the series is still going on. Clark mm-hmm. Kent's still on Warworld and action comics and Wonder Woman's still going to have her own comics. So, but it sends such a mixed signal. Like you kill the justice league, but they're not really dead. Yeah. Exactly. It's almost saying, it, you know, I dare you not to read it. You know, it doesn't matter. They're not really dead. You could still go read the characters that you like. You know, mm-hmm. it's just the Justice League that's not around. It's like, well, the Justice League sucked anyway, because Brian Michael Bendis was right there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the, the only good part about Bendis' uh, Justice League runs when it started, they had Snyder Cut variant covers that I have hanging on my wall. But yes. uh, anyway, so another point is that I think they're going to use Dark Crisis. And uh, so, so what, what they're going to do is they... They replace the individual JL members with like their kids or their derivative characters. I think the way they're going to bring them back is those derivative characters are not going to be able to fight Pariah and beat him. Then all of a sudden, the the real Justice League are going to come back and and go, oh, okay, we got this. Yeah, yeah, the, the regular team will go to fight Pariah and it will not be going well. But somebody will be sent to go and find the other Justice League or there'll be a hint. And they'll go on a side quest. And are they going to free them in time? And then you'll see the the Justice League they wish that we would buy met up yeah. with the, the real Justice League, you know, hopefully to, uh, well, not hopefully, so they could win the day. How much you want to yeah. bet, like, they'll make it so Batman had some kind of contingency plan for if he was ever killed and brought back because it's Batman? Oh, yeah. Well, it feels like it's in Grant Morrison's character, of the oh. version of the character. Yeah. But another thing I want to talk about, so... In terms of Dark Crisis, and I made a video about this, which Wes, I want to tell you, I got backlash for that one. So I made a video saying DC needs a reboot and they should use Dark Crisis to like reboot their continuity, hard reboot, like Flashpoint style, because at this point they really just have to start off at at, at square one because there's so many contradictions. This Omniverse thing is the worst thing I think they've ever done in terms of uh, the the worst things in my memories because Lord knows they've done worse. But so... uh, my point in the video was I think they're going to use this to like wipe the slate clean of all the stuff that didn't work out. What do you think? I don't think they're going to go that far. I mean, there's a lot of transition going on. I think they're going to use it to do something, mm-hmm. but I don't think that they're just going to do a hard reboot, like even like a, a rebirth was or new 52, where it's like at this moment on, you know, the game has changed. These are the new rules that we're going to play under. I don't imagine the Omniverse is going anywhere anytime soon. It'll go somewhere, somewhere, because it, it does suck so bad. But they do need something. The, the problem is, is the is the the time frame in between all these reboots just keeps contracting. It's yeah. getting shorter and shorter and shorter. 
And when you do a hard reboot like that, you do have to have not only fans that want to continue to support DC Comics, but they also like trust you. And I, I think at this point, you know, obviously some fans will never give up. And, and I appreciate that. You know, I say stick around and, and support the comics that you do want. But I think once, once you just continuously go back to this gimmick, storytelling gimmick, so you can write your own universe because you keep messing it up all the time. Mm-hmm. Like what, what's going to happen? Rebirth was great. I think people like those versions of characters. It looked like it was going in a mm-hmm. good direction. 18 months later, it was dead. Mm-hmm. The sales were there. People liked those versions of the characters. It's not it's like there was enthusiasm and support for what DC Rebirth was, and they still messed it up. Yeah. And this will be the second crisis since Rebirth. Rebirth wasn't all that long ago. It was like six or seven years ago. And if you could consider Dark Knight's Metal to be yeah. a crisis in itself, I, I think Death Metal is more of a crisis. Bro. Yeah, Death Metal is definitely more. Even if they didn't label it, I'm like, yeah, it's a crisis, bro. Yeah, then you get to Dark Crisis, like, why even try? <laughs> now, my you question I mean? for you is, you, you said that they should change a few things. Why do you think they should change in the continuity to make it a little more cohesive? They need to get rid of the Omniverse. They need to embrace Elseworlds and what yes. it is. Elseworlds needs to be its own thing, even if it's popular. Yeah. Just because, you know, you have a really popular Alan Moore joker story mm-hmm. you know where certain things happen obviously to barbara gordon yeah just because that story was popular doesn't need it mean it needs to be in canon no you can leave things things out there as elseworlds and and that's kind of one of the things that dc did does or has done in the past so much better than marvel it's like you know i like um you know i like their what if comics but elseworlds were like is like you kind of took them serious yeah. They weren't kind of like parody comics, which a lot of times Marvel's What If are. Yeah, I kind but of are. Not leaving Elseworlds to be its own thing and creating the multiverse of Elseworlds. It's like, get out of here. Just have some Elseworlds. Tell some stories that don't exactly realign with canon. Where You, you take some liberties here there to tell a story that's a little bit different mm-hmm. than the way you would like to portray the character you know, within the main continuity mm-hmm. and differentiate it. But you know, everything's so muddy right now. You don't even know what's going on. I think what they'll do is the is, is they won't like outright say we're going to destroy the omniverse. They'll just stop referencing it, be, and then they'll just say, "Okay, ignore that. We're going to do this." And I definitely agree with you that D- D- DC definitely has to um, I- embrace the Elseworlds because let's face it, that's one of their competitive advantages to Marvel because, like you said, their Elseworld stories are way better than What If. I mean, we have like for a time it was we have like Watchmen kind of. We have um. The killing joke we have uh at the moment three jokers but uh it's like some of dc's greatest storylines of all time are elseworld stories not even in the main canon yeah it's like a, like a red sun yeah that's a really interesting story but i would never want to see that to be the real superman no that's that's not cool obviously you know they've kind of done that with superman here and there all in right, the regular yes. continuity but you know, people need to they need to to differentiate and say this is Elseworlds and this is what it means. It means even if you love this story, you can continue to love it. And, and if you support it, we'll do a sequel to it. Yeah, exactly. but it's never really going to go in there and affect the canon. And I, I think that's you know, you need to have good, solid structure and like rules mm-hmm. on, on what's affecting what. And otherwise, you kind of get this weird 
I don't know what is DC Comics like a weird porridge right now. Or yeah. just got a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And you're like, I don't even know what this is. Yeah, and, and it's like we said on our last episode, they actually have to have an editorial team that's actually w- 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 willing to say no to people because I feel like too a, a lot of the problems with DC is that their editorial won't say no to the talent like say no you can't do this it's not consistent with these characters but and that leads to really really bad storylines like brian michael bennis's entire superman run or tom king doing the flash in uh heroes in crisis yeah that was those are the dark times. I guess we're still in it. You know, there's some really bad stuff. Like, did you read Teen Titans Academy? Ugh, that's rough, man. I will say, speaking of Bendis, I was on a stream with Nardis Newsstand. And I said, if, if they do clean up one thing, I want them to use the use this as a as a sort of pseudo reboot to eliminate anything Brian Michael Bendis has done at DC. Because let's face it, it hasn't exactly been his best work. Nah, he just. I don't think he was a fit for DC. No. But he's a Marvel guy through and through. And even at that, you know, I know he had a health scare. Mm-hmm. Those things can kind of change uh, who you are and your ability to really do a lot of output. He was putting out a lot of comics at DC. But even at the end of his time at, at Marvel, he hadn't really written a, a hit comic book that people thought was good in a long time, you know. Yeah, because it, Civil it was War fun- Two was... Uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh my civil war two that that thing still exists it's like yeah. i'm like this is like the most disappointing sequel to one of the greatest marvel comic books of all time and trust me i've read some disappointing sequels yeah one of the problems with for bendis you know i don't, I don't want to trash mm-hmm. the guy from everything i've been told he's super duper nice and obviously yeah. he's influenced you know, um, comic books a ton. He's probably the most, as far as what you're reading now, I would say that, you know, Bendis is the most influential creator that is, has influenced this generation and the stories that we're getting. Mm-hmm. But the problem is he's kind of stuck with the same tropes that he was using before, but he's not quite as, as sharp as he was before. But you have all these creators that were influenced by mm-hmm. him. So they're using his tropes as well, but they're doing them better. Mm-hmm. So it, it makes it kind of shines a light on all the stuff that he wasn't really getting right to begin with and making it seem a whole lot worse. Like a, a lot of times when you read a Bendis comic, especially a DC, I would say two thirds of the comic book is a recap of the previous cop. Yeah. It's like, well, I appreciate that- a recap, but you, you do that in a, a page or two, and then you move on with the story. Yeah. And there's never any advancement. Like the story just sits there. Plus the fact. Uh, so I, here's where I think he was a, a- a better fit for Marvel. Marvel is a little bit looser than DC, I feel like, with their continuity, so you can do more of whatever you want. With DC, at least in terms of the fans, it's, they're very protective of what happens in the continuity, and you can't have anything that contradicts. And I think that that was a learning curve for Bendis, and he probably couldn't do it. That's why he left DC. Well, and also kind of pairing him up with a character like Superman was yes. a bad idea. Like that's a that's like that's like a paragon of virtue. It's like one of the most hopeful characters in the entire you know, comic book universe. And what is Bendis really one of his trading cards as a writer is you know uh showing the darker aspects of a character, how yeah. they're wrong and how that all that stuff plays out. And it's like it doesn't really work with Superman. So you're putting all these things in there and they're just completely rejected. It never really um really fit the character he should have been doing something he would have done like a probably a pretty cool like red hood story 
you know, I think a lot of people just expected him to be writing Batman, but there's yeah. plenty of stuff. Really, the the character he should have been writing was Green Arrow. Yes, Oliver Queen and, and Brian Michael Bendis would really make sense together, or maybe Damian Wayne. I don't like. <laughs> I don't like Bendis doing younger characters. He cannot. Oh, write oh yeah, oh yeah. I, I don't know if that. I want more Bendis speak, but right. I get what you're no, saying. Knowing Bendis, he'll age Damien up, and yeah. that way, and then he'll be better. But I agree with you. He should have been on a street level character because let's face it, the reason why he was uh, another reason why he was good at Marvel is most of their characters are street level at best, and whenever he, he did like Avengers, most of those characters were the street level characters. So really. He excels when he's writing not godlike characters. Like, I wouldn't w- want to read a Bendis Thor run. Yeah. But Bendis Daredevil. Yes. Oh, heck yes. He would also have done a good, like, I- I'd say about um, a woman, maybe. Oh, yeah. He could have done a lot of stuff, like, within the Bat family. You know, uh, mm-hmm. you think there's so many different characters, like a Huntress. Mm-hmm. with the brian michael bennis that would seem like it would be a good fit but superman was just an yeah. odd fit and then he tried to spin it off into that leviathan thing and oh it's just that was one of the most poorly paced stories i've ever read I, you know mm-hmm. nobody was buying it there by the end they decided to do a sequel anyway and i was like what are you doing here and obviously he brought in a lot of people yeah from marvel kind of along with them with your uh, kelly Sudakonics, your matt mm-hmm. fractions and whatnot and i don't think really any of that stuff worked out no, we all know what happened with Kelly Sudakonic and Aquaman. Oh, jeez. Yeah, it's, it dropped like 20% of sales on her first issue and just continued to drop until she left. I, I mean, I was, I was watching all your summaries on it. And then this is during the time when I had just gotten into reading Dan Abnett's Aquaman one from the beginning of Rebirth. And I'm like, it's why couldn't really they do run. this? Why couldn't they do this? <laughs> You know, it's, it's too bad is that, you know, Dan Abnett's Aquaman wasn't like a top 10 seller because mm-hmm. it's Aquaman. You know, it'd be yeah. very difficult. I don't even think Jeff John's Aquaman, which is really good, sold that well. But for an Aquaman run that was at the issue up to issue, like, is it, I think it was in the 30s. Like, it was still over 30, 40,000. Like, it was still selling pretty well for Aquaman. And uh, Abnett did a lot of good stuff. Abnett's another writer that he's really good with female characters. Mm-hmm. I think he was um, certainly doing his best to kind of highlight and accentuate Mirror and stuff like that. And I think it really worked out. But I mean, Aquaman's just, he's a dead character now. The light, this next series that they're on now, it's going to yeah. issue it, it end on issue number six. And it wasn't, yeah. you know, it was, it was uh, solicited as an ongoing. Yeah. They just destroyed any interest in Aquaman. Yeah, because who, who would have thought that that replacing him with another character that's unlikable would, would be cancer. And my problem, and you actually brought this up in a video, is that why are they creating Jackson Hyde for to replace him as Aquaman when you have Calder? There's something weird that happened there, like behind the scenes. As far as I believe Calder was created first, but because it takes a lot longer to mm-hmm. do an animated series. In the meantime, they kind of like took what Calder was and they made mm-hmm. Jackson Hyde and mm. debuted him in the comics first. It was, it was something really strange. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've heard some some reports on it. Um, but Calder, people didn't even know the sexuality of the character for like seasons. Yeah. Even though when the character was created from Greg Wiseman, like the character was gay. Mm-hmm. But they never really got into that point, not because it wasn't important, but because they knew 
initially you had to build the character up, flesh the character out, and yeah. make people really respond to the hero. And then you could go in and kind of uh, add even more layers to them that were planned to be there from the beginning. And I mean, what have they done with Jackson Hyde? I know. Nothing. I, uh, it's uh, that's my problem and this is what i always tell people it's fine to like do all this stuff with characters i get that but the problem is is that you, is that the way mainstream comics does it is that they change a certain part of a character or they'll put in a new part of the character like they'll have them come out as gay or well gender venom but what they do is that they don't do anything with that character afterwards that, that is significant enough to make people become attached to that character and then it doesn't sell well yeah, you know, especially when you do the mantle swaps, you almost you're kind of just setting the character up for failure, especially yeah. if the character they're replacing is still alive. You know, mantle <laughs> swaps can work. You know, you think about Wally West coming in as the Flash, or um, you know, Kyle Rayner taking over as Green Lantern, but Barry Allen and Hal Jordan were dead. Like yeah. those characters ascended to the mantle, they were accepted, and they were the the heroes for decades before they did the return. As you mentioned earlier, death means nothing because when yeah. you do a Flash rebirth or a, a Green Lantern rebirth, and I love both of those stories. I don't want to yeah. get people thinking the wrong thing on there, but there's money to be had on the return of the character, even if the original the original plan was they were going to be dead forever. Well, that's obviously true. they found that out with with uh, with Jason Todd and yeah. coming back as Red Hood, and the he was a herring and was it Red Herring and in, in mm -hmm. Rush or Hush Hush? Yeah, yeah. I I, I also think. The reason why I think Kyle and Wally were popular also is because they made them different from who, who was in in the costume beforehand. Like, um, take, for instance, Kyle Rayner. He had more elaborate, like, constructs. His costume looked different. He acted different than Hal Jordan. And that's why I think the other thing is, is that they have to make these characters more unique and not just, uh, not just say, Superman, who's also bisexual and young that they have to be able to to create unique characters too because otherwise it just looks like a ripoff that's why i think one of the best new new new-ish characters that was established in the new 52 is is jessica cruz green lantern because they established her and did something new with the with the with the green lantern core and had her be constantly afraid thank you jeff johns well, yeah, and there's like a self-doubt and stuff like that. Yeah. You would have seen the same thing with Wally West. You know, yeah. am I good enough to replace Barry Allen? You know, he's my hero. I looked up to him forever. You know, Kyle Rayner obviously is a different spit on the character, but if you see something now, like Riri mm. Williams, yeah. when did you ever get the impression that she was like, oh my goodness, I'm replacing Tony Stark? I don't, am I even good enough for this? And it's like, no, the, the writer made the character unlikable and essentially say, you know what, I'm better than Tony Stark ever was from day one anyway it was like exactly uh, or it's like with john kang superman he straight up told his father that he sucked at being superman yeah you didn't do anything why didn't you help out more it's like i don't know man he saved the universe quite a few times I, yeah um, did you read death metal but you, yeah you you want you read stuff like that it just turns you off to the character and not only the character but but really to the writer you see yeah. that and you're like, yeah, this is the the Tom Taylor I remember from X-Men Red and all new Wolverine and everything else that he messed up at Marvel. Apparently he can only do Elseworld stories. That's what I was going to say, because here's the thing. Tom Taylor excels when he doesn't have continuity. That's why I think, because look at his most most famous storylines, Injustice and Deceased. 
Dark Knights of Steel is I, I've heard is pretty good, but there are some parts of it that suck. But, but, but my point is that most of his good stuff is Elseworlds. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he doesn't really do much in continuity. He becomes a really lazy writer yeah. and he just turns to the laziest tropes ever. Um, that's one of the reasons. I mean, you know, hey, Superman's not at worldwide coverage for that Superman Son of Kal-El series in, in the sales aren't there. Not surprised. Yeah, I got into an argument with someone about how it's not selling well. And their excuse was it's in like the top like 100 spot, but it's at like 58. I'm like a Superman title should not be at 58. OK. When Brian Michael Bennis was writing Superman in action comics and everyone thought that Brian Michael Bennis was a terrible writer there, every issue was in the top 50. Yeah. Before that, when Tomasi was on... Superman and Jurgens was on Action Comics, the same story. Yeah. They've done a lot of damage to Superman, and he's not even selling. And there's just, there's too much reliance on Batman. There's, there's a lot of weird yes. stuff going on at DC. They really need to, you know, kind of hope that Zaslav does something when he's taken over and really we get a better DC Comics universe. I think that's what everyone wants. So far he has because he canceled all the bad CW shows pretty much. Uh, you know, all he has to do is, is, it, get rid of flash and then we're good to go but uh, uh, so i have high hopes for that so my last point that that, that i'll say before i let you go is in terms of how do you predict that the, the that dc is going to handle like dark crisis and the and the um, so sort of reboot and, and that they repair a few things because I do have faith in Joshua Williamson because I think he's a fantastic writer. I don't know what you think. I think Williamson's a really solid writer. He does a lot of, of good work. I do think he's doing too much work. That's true. Like you can even see it kind of right now with his uh, Shadow War event. Like mm -hmm. you can, it's kind of meandering a little bit in the dialogue's. I don't know, just not very good. It's not really Josh Williamson. You can see he's writing too much. Mm -hmm. Hopefully he gets to put uh, a lot of emphasis on Dark Crisis, but this thing really blew up. You know, it's I think it's going to be like 24 issues or something total for, you know, until the end of the year. So I, I guess we'll see what happens. Like I said, I I, I think we'll see this. Uh, we'll, we'll have this huge Justice League that gets defeated. Mm -hmm. John Kent and Jackson Hyde will be the only ones that save. And then the new Justice League with the other, uh, members we've been talking about for a while will go out there to take on Pariah, and then somebody will be on a side quest to bring back the real Justice League. What happens after that? Um, I don't know, man. I'm sure they're going to use it as an opportunity to reboot some stuff. Yeah, and maybe introduce some new titles. But you know, what are they going to do? Like a Jackson Hyde Aquaman? Mm -hmm. That's not going to work. It just failed already. They're going to do a Yara Four Wonder Girl. That thing already failed. Are they going to do a Joe Mullins, Green Lantern? Everybody's waiting for Hal Jordan. You know yeah. what I mean? Or so, the yeah. Hal Jordan they recognize because the current Green Lantern with Hal Jordan is getting kind of crazy. But I will say I have one prediction is that I think one of the new Judge Justice League, the ones that, 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 that are replacing our Justice League, are going to die in some moderately heroic fashion so, it, so it can get, it, it give them kind of like a send-off, and that'll be a reboot for that character. Like, I can't see them necessarily killing John Kent, but maybe, like, one of the, like, Aqua people or something like that. Yeah, that would be the worst idea to kill off Jackson Hyde and then I know. introduce his cousin Calder that everyone forgot about. 
I know. And that, the actually, that's the funny part because Young Justice is really popular. Why aren't you doing stuff with Calderon? I have no, it's just uh that's it's just it's a weird tie to be a DC Comics fan. That's that's the only way to put it. You know, I was talking to um to Josh. Mm-hmm. He was working at BatmanNews.com for for several years. You know, it's all about DC Comics. You know, been reading DC Comics for thirty years. I'm like, is this as bad as it's gotten? He's like, yeah, this is as bad as it's gotten. Yeah, and, you know, because the New Fifty Two was pretty rough there for him, and he's like, nah, the New Fifty Two had a, a real direction. He's like, whether yeah. you liked it or not, the characterization was off. But there are good stories to be read. He goes, just there isn't enough of that here. And I'm, yeah, like, well, I'm glad I'm not the only one that thinks so. Sometimes I think I'm maybe a little too harsh on my criticism. Mm-hmm. But then when you start talking to, to real fans that have been reading DC comics, like, nah, it's not just me. Oh, no, trust me. I, I read a lot of the news about w- what they're doing with these characters. And I'm like, wait, what? This, this makes no sense. And this is coming from a guy who's been reading since the New 52. Lord knows a lot of, of the stuff in that publishing initiative didn't make sense. But I agree, I agree with Josh. This is way worse than the New 52. The 52 had real direction. They exactly. had some really good writers. Even if it wasn't your favorite version of the character, you still had good writers on them. Good writers make good stories. Yeah, exactly. You really don't have a lot of that right now. All the writers just left. You know, we are getting this Jeff Johns. Flashpoint Beyond, it sounds like he, he kind of over overviewed it. And, mm-hmm. you know, some other people came in and finished off the script. But there's no Scott Snyder working right now. There's no Peter Tomasi. There's no Dan Jurgens. There's no Robert Venditti that we can see right now. It's Joshua Williamson, you know, Ram V, you know, obviously, and Chips mm-hmm. and Archby on Batman and, and Detective Comics are going to be great. But are we not getting enough Batman? That's the I only know. character that we are getting good stories. With. Maybe we'll maybe we can actually get a good Wonder Woman run. Not with Clunrad. No, not with Clay, but you know what I'm saying. Michael Conrad and Becky Clunrad. It's not gonna happen. No. Just, I hope you didn't read Trial of the Amazons. It was awful. No, I didn't. Uh, I, I have no desire to read any of the new stuff coming out from DC, except maybe Dark Crisis because I like crises and I want to see if they completely wreck this these i call them the dollar store um, justice league because they're cheap and personal impressions of the of their predecessors but so actually one more question real quick you mentioned uh a flashpoint beyond and i i checked out that book and dealing with a lot of multiverse type stuff you think that's gonna have like big like uh you think that's gonna have like any effect on the overall D- DC multiverse? Or you think it's just going to be localized? This is an interesting question because the first issue, it certainly seems like that's what they were hitting at, right? You yeah. The board, talking about the Omniverse, 5G averted, and you know he's yeah, starting to connect the exactly. dots. And there's a couple of diagrams and whatnot, and that's what it feels like. But um, you know, it's certainly hitting at a lot of stuff with Doomsday Clock. Yes. And the setup for Doomsday Clock and DC Rebirth, which obviously. Jeff Johns was the architect of that, and that was supposed to be the big payoff for Rebirth. Mm-hmm. They were going to go into this stuff, and then Doomsday Clock was going to be the big payoff. So it sounds like he wants to maybe go in there and do a few things there. So um, I think it'll be mostly dealing with the Flashpoint timeline, delving a little bit into um, into Doomsday Clock. I, I'm starting to get the hint. I'm pretty sure I'm right on this one. That like that 5G averted and stuff. Those are yeah. just digs at Dan Didio. Yeah, I love kind that. Of messed up the DC Rebirth and Doomsday Clock so much. And really, it, uh, 
messed up Jeff John's plans when he was the chief creative officer. As soon as he went up to DC Films, he kind of uh, uh, sabotaged is a good way to put it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's him kind of getting back and tweaking him like, well, I'm still here and I'm going to admit I'm going to talk about how your 5G thing that got you fired you know, was averted kind of thing. You're not the only one that thinks that. I've been seeing like eight different YouTubers that were saying, yeah, they, he's making stabs at Tinio. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was going to be bigger than that, though. It felt like they were going to maybe be tackling the issue that is the Omniverse and time, space, and everything that's happening within uh, DC Comics. But I think it was probably more of a low blow than a, a deep cut that they were going to really get into. That'd be hilarious if Jeff Johns, uh, the entire purpose of this series is to bash the DC leadership. Well, hey, Grant Morrison was doing it in his, his Green Lantern run. <laughs> yeah. That'd be great if like, he opens a, a, like a window into Earth Prime and he sees the, the discount Justice League and he's like, amateurs. That'd be ju- I, I would me. love that. I, I would I would buy every copy of that book just so I could read that. It's nice having a, a, something like a Flashpoint Beyond. You know, it, it's not yeah. uh, the the greatest story of ever, but but it's good. It's enjoyable, and it gives you something else to read from from DC that isn't in continuity because their continuity is so bad. Well, That's Jeff the Jones. thing that Marvel has right now that is really awesome. Mm-hmm. Are these uh, alternatives where they're doing these five-issue miniseries that are in continuity 30 years ago. They're bringing, like, a Peter David back, a Chris Claremont, a J.M. David Tayas or whatever. Um, and they're writing these stories, and they're just great. It's like, hey, I don't even have to deal with the Marvel continuity. This stuff's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Normally, your Elseworlds would be your alternative <laughs> at, at DC, but mm-hmm. they've kind of uh, muddied the waters so much. So it's, it's kind of nice having a, a Flashpoint series like that. I, I agree with you. And a, f- a Flashpoint's always been a, a, a favorite story of mine because you have a gun-toting Batman, pre-Zack Snyder. <laughs> so, guys, I, I think that that's a good place to leave it. Uh, um, drop a comment if you think death has been rendered meaningless in comics. Wes, it's always a pleasure to have you on the channel. You're always welcome. Well, thank you very much, Jared. I really appreciate it. Love talking comic books and... Uh... Definitely can't wait to come back on here and discuss more. Absolutely, anytime. Hope you guys enjoyed that fantastic interview with Wes from Thinking Critical. I just wanted to to put a little more content in this episode, kind of pad it out. So that's really my main point, is that when you keep bringing killing characters and then bringing them back to life, it just cheapens it. That's really... Ultimately, um, my main point, too, and I, I get the thing also Wes's main point, it also doesn't help when you kill the characters just so you can replace them. But going back to what I'm talking about, I'm going to talk about those two individually mainly. So when it cheapens it, because if you notice, the reaction to, like, Death of the Justice League was, so? So we know they're going to come back, and then DC... Uh, announced that they're going to come back, and everyone's like, "Really, really?" That's it. That's the interesting part here because I'm like, "What? No one cares anymore because the death of the Justice League, the death of the actual Justice League." And once again, I don't think it's the actual death because, as Wes said, they like te- it looks like they get teleported. And let's face it, we've seen that that teleportation effect before in Rebirth. Whenever someone would like be grabbed by who was it? 
Mr. Oz, who later turned out to be Jor-El in a very convoluted storyline. So I don't think they're dead. They're like teleported into some holding cells that are like specially designed for them because it's pariah. But no, it wasn't like when they announced like the death of Superman. Oh my gosh. Well, that, that was because it was the death of Superman, the first one. But my, my there wasn't, there's not like any hype for the death of the Justice League. And that, and that, sh that should tell you that you messed up when you're killing off your main characters, like your Avengers team, your, in a way, biggest sellers, your, the face of your universe. And everyone's like, so? So ultimately what I think is good. So that's really my main point here, people. It's, it's that it's, it's a little muddled right now. And honestly, I really feel like, like also this is going to be DC at least walking back a little bit of the things that fans hated from, from I think it was like metal and on. I think they're going to get rid of like some of Bendis' stuff. They could even de-age John Kent. But I do feel like they're going to bring back... Uh, I, well, first off, after the series Son of Kal-El, I think that Jonathan Kent is going to go back to being Superboy. I don't... Or they're going to put that in another um, continuity. That's what they should have done. I feel like they're going to make super, uh, make John Kent Superboy. I refuse to call him Superman. He's not Superman. But I feel like they're going to uh, have Kal-El come back and then he'll be the main Superman again. Then maybe, and then maybe he'll say, I don't want to be Superman anymore. I mean, J John Kent, he's like, I, I can't be um, Superman because I was all this baggage. I, I don't know how Tom Taylor's going to do it. But I think that they'll make him be a, his own uh, um, a, a separate character. Because if he says, hey, this is what Superman's be, um, all about, I don't want to be Superman. I think that a lot of these characters are not necessarily going to be like the Aquaman, the Wonder Woman. Uh, I think that what they'll do is they'll make them their own unique characters. They may be putting a little too much faith in DC, but at this point, hope is all we have, people. And then my last point is that really, really, it's, DC just really needs to, to work better. And I feel like also, I, so he, here's my other point. And this is something I should have talked about with Wes, but with Zaslav. So one of so in that variety article that came back that I think we talked about on the show or we didn't, I apologize, but so it was talking about how he wants to make DC its own content vertical. It's own independent content thing like DC studios or so uh, independent from Warner brothers. I think they're going to do is make is sort of redo the the characters to make them more in line with the movies. In other words, they're going to try for this is a key word in uh, in corporate speak synergy, which means that I get the feeling that we're not going to have multiple Superman books. We're just going to have Clark Kent, Superman, Bruce Wayne, Batman, uh, Diana Prince, Wonder Woman, Barry Allen, or Wally West at this point, Flash et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, so that they can say there's some continuity. So, so that if they're operating under the false assumption that people see a superhero movie and then go right to the comic books, they'll be able to go, okay, so here's this. Here's the, you just saw a Superman story. Here's a Superman comic. 
people go to their LCS, they see Superman, not John Kent. And just leave it alone. There you go. I think that would be a great way to do it. And I feel like that's the way, at least with Zaslav, because I have a little more hope for DC since Zaslav took over because he's a money guy. And if you're not making money, he will make you make money or shut you down or sell you off or something like that. That's my main point. And I let me know what you guys think. Do you have hope in Zaslav? Do you think that that um, DC is at least can use Dark Crisis to maybe change a few things? Do you think even Flashpoint Beyond will be a secret like repairing of the DC continuity? Or, or do you think, as we said in the episode, that it's just Jeff Johns making digs at DC leadership? I'd love to find out what you guys think. So drop a comment. Um, let us know if you're, if for those of you in the audio, in the description, there's our email address and you can uh, cl click there and, sh and shoot us an email that way. And hope you guys enjoyed this great episode. I'm glad w Wes was able to come back on and I will see you guys in the next episode. All right, everyone stay heroic. Bye-bye.